JP Mega 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 Your one stop shopping Dominica Nica Nica Tonight Nica, You could be shopping and having fun With your daughter or with your son We cater to everyone What a happy place For discounts, check us out at the mega store in Funkole where there's lots of parking on Monday to Friday from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., on Saturdays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., and on Sundays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. JP Mega, the best family shopping experience. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Jolly's Health Vibes. It is 10.22 a.m. We are a bit late, but we are on with you this morning on of course, your favorite health and wellness program, Health Vibes, where health always has vibes. This is Trudy, and in studio with me is Jacinfa. Jacinfa, good morning. <laughs> good morning to you, Miss Christian. <laughs> Justin, good morning to our listeners as well. How are you today? I'm good. Jacinfa insists on calling me Miss Christian. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, my teacher, my teacher days cannot leave me down. All right. So, good morning. Good morning, Jacinfa. Yes. This morning, of course, we do not have Mr. Langdo in studio with us, but I know he's somewhere listening. Carlton, good morning to you and we do have a very packed agenda this morning but Jacinta first of all there is some news yes. good news coming out of of Jolly's the Jolly's um I would say family so so what's going on what's going on I saw some big news on on Facebook <laughs> so yes so on the 10th to the 14th in Guyana was the Caribbean Association of Pharmacists Conference. So that was held in Guyana. And representing Jolly's Pharmacy um, were Mr. Carlton Lando mm -hmm. and Mr. Rick Blaise. And both of them received an award. So ah. Carlton, yes, he received the second place winner for the Caribbean Pharmacist of the Year 2022 award. And Mr. Rick Blaise received the Caribbean Pharmacy Youth Leader Award 2022. Nice. So we are saying congratulations to both our pharmacists from Jolly's Pharmacy. We are indeed elated, you know, on those awards. And, you know, we have been receiving awards for the past couple of years, mm -hmm. you know. So it shows that we are dedicated to our work, that our enthusiasm, you know, and our um, ambition, you know, in, in our career shows, you know, through our hard work. So congratulations to you too. And, of course, to Jolly's pharmacy because you know yes. they work at Jolly's pharmacy. Yes, yes, of course. So it just gives gives us the extra encouragement and boost to continue doing, you know, what we do best. What what you do best, <laughs> yes. exactly. Jolly's pharmacy leading the way in healthcare, in healthcare. and <laughs> top-notch pharmacists at Jolly. So congratulations to Mr. Langdo, of course, co-host here, um, chief host yes. <laughs> of Health Vibes <laughs> and um, 
Rick Blair's a past student of mine as well. It seems I, I have some investment in Jolly's <laughs> pharmacies. Yes. <laughs> Pharmacists. So, much respect to you. <laughs> so congratulations to the both of you for an exceptional job and for being recognized, you know, um, as as exceptional pharmacist and Jolie's pharmacy of course always always on top so it is good news coming out of, of Jolie's this morning and Definitely. we wanted to share that with with you the listeners of health vibes just in fact recently enough maybe about two or three weeks ago uh -huh. we spoke about something which is taking the health world by storm another another infectious disease yes which is sweeping across the world and mm -hmm. you know causing a lot of talk um and also a lot of there's a lot of stigma seemingly associated with this new infectious disease we're talking about which is monkeypox mm -hmm. and um this morning before we 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 go into our other area of discussion we wanted to bring forth to the listeners of health vibes a news clip about monkeypox and what's happening especially as it relates to stigma yes. um sometimes we we in, in in health awareness and health education one of the biggest hindrances is when stigma starts to develop around the a health condition so we want to share something with you about that right so but listen before mm -hmm. we we go to the clip i just want to let the listeners know you know whenever we hear about a health condition mm -hmm. you know it's it's always advisable to know the facts yes and this is the reason why we're playing this clip so that you are aware and you get it firsthand you know of, of experts um as to well what what has been associated with that type of condition but how so careful you need to be you mm -hmm. know when listening and also disseminating information yes so. yes yes so so let's let's listen to this news clip and we will have a little discussion after yes. tonight more monkeypox cases are popping up in northeast ohio we're now up to 19 cases in Cleveland alone. And with so many questions coming into our newsroom, we want to be sure you know what matters most when it comes to keeping you and, of course, your family safe. We have team coverage this evening with Monica Robbins tackling plans to ration vaccine doses and Isabel Lawrence, who is learning more about the virus within the LGBTQ plus community. And that's where we begin tonight. Isabel spoke with experts about the stigma surrounding it and what's being done to keep people safe. They were just inundated with calls with people really concerned about monkeypox and really, really eager to get vaccinated. The phones at the LGBT Community Center of Greater Cleveland have been ringing. Monkeypox, a virus spread by intimate close contact, is currently seen most in men who have sex with men. But center board member Kenyon Farrow knows this is a virus that can impact anyone. There's no such thing as a gay disease. There's no such thing as a disease of senior citizens or of African-Americans or other groups. It's a message experts like Dr. Amy Edwards have been hitting home to stop the stigma. Outbreaks don't stay in the first population. It was just luck. It has nothing to do with, you know, lifestyle choices or any of that nonsense that I've heard people talk about. Dr. Edwards says looking at the virus globally, the number of cases in men who have sex with men is already dropping as monkeypox moves into the wider population. Next come the vaccines. 
the center is soon getting ready to, again, partner with Metro Health to make sure that people who come to the center can get vaccinated. According to the Cuyahoga County Board of Health, the 1,200 vaccines they received from the federal government have been allocated to the board, Metro Health, the Cleveland Clinic, UH, and Central Outreach Wellness Center, all of whom serve the LGBTQ plus community. I'm pretty confident by the end of this week, the, the doses should be in the hands of everyone who needs uh, them as to, in terms of the providers that we're, we're engaging. Now, I reached out to Central Outreach today. It's a wellness center that works with the LGBTQ plus community. They started administering the monkeypox vaccine yesterday at their Cleveland Heights location. They gave about 70 doses yesterday, and they also have an antiviral treatment. It's walk-in, no insurance needed. We have more information, including requirements to be eligible for the vaccine there on our website. Those vaccines are starting to trickle in. Isabel, thank you. And a limited supply of vaccine is likely not enough to stop the spread of monkeypox. Now the government is turning toward a form of vaccine rationing. To explain how this will work, let's continue our team coverage now with our senior health correspondent, Monica Robbins. Hi, Monica. Hey, Russ. Yeah, the FDA issued an emergency use authorization that allows the monkeypox vaccine to be given in fractional doses. That would expand the supply fivefold. That means people will get a fifth of the full dose via intradermal administration, meaning putting the vaccine into rather than under the skin. The FDA is also allowing those under 18 who may be at risk for monkeypox to also be vaccinated. Now, a previous study showed this method can generate a strong immune response, but some experts are skeptical. This method has been used before in times of vaccine shortages. The monkeypox vac vaccine also requires two doses 28 days apart, so fractioning may help vaccinate more people, considering additional supply isn't expected until mid-next year, Russ. Monica, let me ask you, where is the U.S. compared to the rest of the world in terms of cases? As of now, we're leading the world with nearly 9,000 cases, including nearly 70 in Ohio. And according to the CDC, Wyoming <clears throat> is the only state so far without a case. A question I'm sure you get a lot. Does the general public need to be concerned about this? Yeah, I'm getting that routinely. Now, keep in mind, as Isabel said, while cases are mainly circulating among men who have sex with men, doesn't mean that it'll stay there that, mm. relating to the virus. But this is not COVID. It is not easily transmitted. It requires close intimate skin contact or prolonged exposure to respiratory droplets. And the CDC says it may be possible to transmit via infected clothing, sheets or towels, but more likely by touching infected skin. And it can take up to three weeks before symptoms to appear. And people are usually considered contagious once those lesions appear and they remain contagious until the scabs have fallen off and new skin has formed, which takes about a month. New information coming in every day on this, it appears. Yes, so this clip from from a news WKYC News in Ohio um, is, is something we really wanted to share. Two things, Justin, I will comment on from this clip and why, you know, we felt it was so important to bring forward. A lot of people are already dismissing monkeypox 
because they have categorized it as a gay people disease. Oh, I cannot get that because I'm not in that. You know what I mean? I've actually heard that mm-hmm. from people. And, you know, it was important for us to hear this is this this is where the outbreak began, yes, but the transmission of monkeypox is not about, you know... It's not limited. It's not limited to, yes. to sexual, you know, practice. Mm-hmm. It is close, intimate contact. So if somebody has monkeypox and you're hugging them or you, you know, so that doesn't minimize ex, um, transmission to just one community. It actually can be transmitted to any and everybody. Children have um, been diagnosed with monkeypox. So in the United States, it's quite a problem. In the clip, they said all the states have recorded cases of monkeypox except one so far. That's Wyoming. So that that's, you know, they say in, in, in the United States, if they sneeze, we can catch a cold. So we have to look out for that. And the second thing was the, the talk about the vaccines. Now, I've seen people, Dominicans, saying, but yeah, they have a vaccine for that already. <laughs> they really want to kill us, Papa. Those kind of things. Um, and the vaccine talk that is that is circulating around monkeypox, the vaccine, and we had mentioned that just in, for in a previous show, right. is a smallpox vaccine that has been reintroduced now because it can give protection against monkeypox. Those two viruses are in the same family. family. Yes. So a lot of Dominicans, Dominicans born in the 60s, 50s, and 60s already took a smallpox vaccine mm-hmm. so it's not it's not a new vaccine those of us who were born you know beyond the 70s um would not have gotten smallpox vaccine because smallpox was eradicated but there are quite a few people older people who have taken the same vaccine that they're talking about now for monkeypox so those are the two things i felt were were, were important in that in that news clip certainly i mean yes we've we've talked about monkeypox um previous two shows mm-hmm. um and we found it still necessary to bring forth um that clip um like you said miss christian is that um it's, it's not limited to one type of um sexual preference or um activity um preference you know um in that clip they, they spoke from the lgbt and for those mm-hmm. who don't know what that means i mean lesbian bisexual um gays and transgender, transgender. right so that's a, a special facility you know just for um these people you know but um the the vaccines um yes they are available and like the clip said um they tend to rationalize um, ration. ration it right um due to the limited number at the time but again as news um unfolds as there's new data we will be bringing it forth to you so that you also are kept updated so that's yes, why of it's important to bring you that yes of course and it's a global community i mean what affects one part of the world can very well affect us so we always have to keep aware Mm -hmm. um you know know what's what's going on what exists what are the facts so the facts about transmission close contact with an individual who is infected you know that we need to be aware and and something about infectious disease which is so critical is not just what you know as an individual and what you do but what the entire community around you does right. that will either protect you or harm you that's why infectious disease is so critical it's not just about you and you taking care of your health it's what what are those people over there doing when you go to the jam over there <laughs> when you go to the you know what are they doing what is what is going on in a 
community. Right. So because you could be following all the protocols, wearing your mask, washing your hands, as we we saw in COVID, and then um, some family members, your co-workers of your community um you know individuals they don't follow follow the protocol so it makes it harder for you now right you know to to um safeguard um, yourself as, as much as you tried you know to follow the guidelines so right. it's, it's a bit tricky it's, it's a collective effort it's not just okay i have my mask or this this person's wearing the mask so i'm fine i don't need to wear my mask you understand right right so i mean it's it's it goes it goes hand in hand and everyone has to play his uh, and her part yes, yes definitely <laughs> so we will be changing gears we yes. just wanted to start off with this you know interesting information re monkeypox but we'll be changing gears after a short break which we'll be taking right now and when we do come back we should be joined by a guest a very important guest who will be joining us so we are going to take a break stay tuned we will be right back and we'll be shifting gears who say health cannot have vibes? Well, Jolly's Pharmacy is proving you otherwise. With Health Vibes, every Wednesday morning on Q95 from 10 a.m. to 11.30. Health Vibes, education, information, and a bit of humor. And not forgetting, lots of vibes. Hosted by Carlton Lango with co-hosts Jacinta Fagan Defo and Trudy Kristen. Jolly's Pharmacy is bringing health and vibes together every Wednesday. So be sure to tune in. Every Wednesday on Q95 from 10 a.m. to 11.30. Jolly's Pharmacy, leading the way in healthcare. Introducing Jolly's Pharmacy, brand new website, www.jolly's.dm. It's your time to jump the line. Shop now at jolly's.dm and have your items delivered in the comfort of your office. No more standing in line. No need to use your lunch hour to shop. Hassle free shopping, safe and secure. Jolly's.dm features rush delivery, one hour in store pickup, regular delivery, 5 p.m. Cut off time, 4 p.m. It's your time to jump the line. Visit us at www.jolly's.dm. Jolly's.dm. Jolly's Pharmacy. Leading the way in healthcare. In healthcare. In healthcare. Oh, and if they say convenience could make a big difference, then you can trust me. I know just where you should be. And that is JP Mega, 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 Mega. The one stop shopping, Dominica, Nica, 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 Nica. You could be shopping and having fun with your daughter or with your son. for a discount. Check us out at the mega store in Funkole where there's lots of parking. On Monday to Friday from 9am to 7pm. On Saturdays from 8am to 6pm. And on Sundays from 10am to 2pm. JP Mega, the best family shopping experience. And we are back at Charlie's Health Vibes wednesday morning and we have our guest who will be joining us virtually this morning we are shifting gears a bit and we are going into a very important discussion on cardiovascular health all about the heart we need to speak about it because it's something that affects 
a lot of people and there's a lot of people yes and there's a lot of uncertainty among people about you know certain things related to their heart health so we have on with us this morning dr rachel andrew who is a cardiologist and she is joining us this morning on health vibes dr andrew good morning good morning trudy thank you for inviting me and how are you doing I'm doing fine, thank you. Okay. So, Dr. Andrew, I know, I know, you know, you are very busy and I am so pleased that you were able to make the time to join us this morning on Hell Vibe. So, I want to get straight, straight, straight into it. Um, and I wanted to start off by just asking you exactly what is it that you do? do um you know in your profession because some people may not be aware of what it is that we're speaking about when i speak about cardiovascular, cardiovascular. health or when i speak about a cardiologist so give me a little give me a little background on you and your 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 practice okay so cardiology refers to um the study of the heart and therefore, what I do is look at um, particularly diseases of the heart as well as the vascular system. So the question is, so what is cardiovascular disease? And uh, cardiovascular diseases are indeed a large group of disorders, a very mm-hmm. large group of disorders. And sometimes we interchangeably speak about cardiovascular disease and heart disease, like it's the same thing, but it's not. It's uh, the cardiovascular disease is, is that large umbrella which takes into account so we can break it down into heart disease and vascular disease. Ah. All right. So when we look at the heart diseases, there are also a, quite a number of heart diseases. And we can also divide them into whether they're congenital or acquired. If they're congenital, it means that um, you, that individual was born with it. Okay. So it's a birth defect, something went wrong in terms of development of the heart during the, the, the pregnancy period. Mm-hmm. All right? That we could not have control over. However, most of heart diseases are acquired, and that's where we come in, because these acquired heart diseases are based on our lifestyle choices. Mm. And it therefore means that we have a a lot of control over development of these acquired heart diseases. So that's the, 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 the heart part. And anything that you can think of from the outer layer of the heart all the way to the innermost part of the heart that can be affected would represent uh, a heart disease. Yeah. So we can talk about the covering of the heart um, being affected in a pericarditis, or we can talk about the muscle wall being inflamed in a myocarditis. We can talk about the coronaries being blocked in a heart attack. In that case, it is acutely obstructed in a heart attack. And uh, you can have what is called angina or ischemic heart disease in which gradually over time this obstruction is taking place and we may be having intermittent symptoms um, from time to time, gradually or maybe progressively getting road worse. So it, it may be stable or it may be unstable in terms of its progression. And we're talking about the, the blood supply to the heart. Because just like the heart 
supplies the body. The heart needs a blood supply itself That's in right. order that it can do its work. Mm -hmm. So that blood supply is what gets compromised when we talk about ischemic heart disease, which takes up a large chunk of, you know, the cardiovascular diseases, which is why we sort of, you know, sometimes interchangeably use the term. Uh. Um, we can talk about valvular diseases, meaning a problem with one of the valves, the four valves in the heart. We can talk about um, growths or infection in, involving the lining, in a lining of the heart, like an endocarditis. It usually involves bacteria, but it can involve many other um, substances that, um, or, or microorganisms that can invade the inner lining of the heart. And then we can talk about problems with the electrical system of the heart. So the heart, in order for it to move, it needs an electrical impulse that tells it to move. Mm -hmm. And therefore, that electrical activity can also have disturbances. And that's where the arrhythmias come into place. You can talk about having an irregular rhythm, mm -hmm. a rhythm that is too fast or too slow, mm -hmm. all right? And that now affects the way in which the heart can function. We can also talk about heart failure, which is a large group, because heart failure now can be a whole other topic by itself, because even someone without structural heart disease can suffer heart failure, because it means that the heart is incapable of meeting the demands of the body. And based on our state at that given time, maybe there is an infection in the body, or whatever the case may be, whenever there is something causing some in equilibrium in the body, it adds strain on the heart. And it means that someone without a structural defect can suffer symptoms of a heart failure okay. or cardiac insufficiency, meaning incapable of fully meeting the body's needs. So we're just talking about that, just the heart part. Mm -hmm. What about the vascular part? And we cannot separate the two. That's why it's cardio and mm -hmm. vascular. Yes. So now the vascular part, just think from the heart, goes many, many different blood vessels. And all of these blood vessels have to go to every single tissue of the body to supply it with nutrients and oxygen, right? So any part of that where there is uh, uh, some obstruction to flow to that tissue, potentially you can have a problem. So if we're talking to about obstruction of flow to the brain, then we're talking about a stroke, mm -hmm. all right? Mm -hmm. If we're talking about obstruction to the kidneys, all right? We're talking about provoking um, renal failure or renal disease or kidney disease, all right? We can go on and on talking about compromise to different blood vessels throughout the body and wherever that compromise is and whatever the organ that it is leading to, that's the organ that is going to feel the effects of it, all right? Wherever the compromise is, because these, every organ needs a supply. Just like we need to eat every day, mm -hmm. each organ of our body requires its nourishment every day. And if the pipes which bring that blood nutrient to it is obstructed, then that organ is going to suffer, right. all right? And then we're going to see the manifestations in that organ system of suffering. Now, two of the most common cardiovascular diseases that we can talk about includes 
your ischemic heart disease, um, which includes your heart attacks and strokes. Okay. These are the two of the most common ones. Okay. Dr. Andrew, I, I wanted to I wanted to to pause you a bit right there. I mean, because you're going into what so I re- yes, you're going into what I really wanted to to, to ask. So you, you, we're saying that locally, because I wanted to get the local picture for sure. Locally, what we see in the most in terms of cardiovascular um um complaints or cardiovascular health issues are strokes and ischemic heart disease. Yes. Okay. We have a lot of strokes and a lot of heart attacks. A lot of um, overall ischemic heart disease with um, whether stable or unstable angina, well, and a lot of heart failure too. Uh, well, a lot more that I even anticipated before coming back. Well, I guess of course now they all come to me, so you get to see a lot more of them. But it is um, really phenomenal when you think about it, and a lot of that is the downstream effect of you know, um, non-adherence to treatment. Okay, because so most people, um, well, they have their own ideas of, you know, treatments, and locally we like to use our bush medicine uh, instead of, you know, the, the pills, and you think the pills are bad for you, you know, the bush medicine. And it's okay to, 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 to like natural medicine, but we have to be able to, to have tight control of the risk factors. Mm-hmm. very tight control because there's a reason why we call them the silent killers you can feel fine for several decades before you start manifesting signs okay not everybody is going to have an acute event all right over time you'll realize that the system was um, suffering insult and uh, with time that 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 insult we could have been preventing over time mm-hmm. but because people feel fine and they believe there's nothing that they need to do about it because they, they're feeling okay. Right. They might feel, well, I'm, too, I'm young. This thing is something for, for old people. But because of our lifestyle choices now, we will find that the diseases that were once considered of the elderly is more and more prevalent in the young population. Okay. So it is something we need to take note of. But and what is... Doc, um, I'm so sorry to... to I'm um, sorry. <laughs> You're giving so much much information in one one mouthful. But um, we wanted to break down um, so much of what you're saying in in different segments, you know, so that um, the layperson, you know, who's not really affiliated with the the medical terms, you know, at least they can understand and probably make lifestyle adjustments um, if necessary. I'm going to take you back just a a brief second. Um, You mentioned in the beginning that there are two types of um of um well heart, heart disease or cardiovascular disease those um congenital and acquired right and um you mentioned that um the where an individual is born with um cardiovascular disease sometimes you know you, you cannot prevent it but um, for the ladies who are pregnant right now, applying to um, get pregnant, that gestation period, what can you advise you know, a, a lady who is pregnant at the moment um, or just give some, um, some tips as to her lifestyle practices that can at least reduce you know, the, the risk of um, 
their baby developing any type of cardiovascular um, mm-hmm. disease as much as they can in their power. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when I mentioned it wouldn't be, you know, you couldn't prevent it as the individual. If you are the one being born with that, then there's nothing that you as the individual could have done. Mm-hmm. But yes, as the mother having the child, then of course we would want to have some healthy lifestyle practices as well. And it means that from the time that you get pregnant, you would want to be on board with your gynecologist, your obstetrician, all right, who can follow you along early. Um, there are a lot of tests that are done during the first trimester, all right, and they need to be repeated in second and third trimester of pregnancy. A lot of screening involved. And it means that those um, patients who are captured late, it means that these initial testing were not done mm-hmm. and it can predispose them to problems later on because we'll be monitoring their blood pressure, their, um, their, their blood sugar system, levels. Mm-hmm. Right. From the very beginning, ensure that they don't have any infections. A lot, um, sometimes you find there are infections pre- are present. They don't affect you if you're not pregnant, but, and they're not provoking any symptoms for you, but during the pregnancy, it's causing compromise to the child. Okay. So it means that if you capture early, it means your gynaeobs specialists would now be able to treat those early before it has any um, chance to affect the development um, of the child. Some things are related to genes as well. Right, family history. And uh, yes, family history. So we would want to be even more vigilant if there were first degree relatives with certain heart defects and or if that mother had a child born previously Mm -hmm. with a birth defect then we'd want to monitor her closely during the pregnancy. And we can even do a fetal echo, do an, an echocardiogram on the unborn mm-hmm. so that we can have an idea of the structure of the heart. Now, of course, it's not going to be 100% um, be able to tell every single heart disease present in the unborn, but you can have a strong index of suspicion if certain parameters measurements are not adding up at that time in utero and um, if from very early we can already start detecting that there may be some um, cardiac defects in uterus it means that by the time that child is born we are prepared to have him travel for the delivery or we can even prepare for the delivery better because we already know that he is going to be born with a birth defect so these are some parts of the prenatal screening that can help us identify early the defect. It helps us to prepare for management of it, and then it doesn't catch you by surprise trying to figure out know what is happening because we are already prepared. All right, the, the vitamins as well that um, mothers are supposed to be taking, it's very important mm-hmm. that they adhere to it because it helps in terms of um, development of the child's right. heart, the neuro- neurological system, mm-hmm. all of that. And these extra vitamins are important because we have rapidly dividing cells and it's going to be costing the mother's nutrients yeah. as well. So if she's already deficient, automatically at that time, the, 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 the demand for nutrients increases. Right, so you need to be you. able to supply that. Okay. And uh, early cap 
being captured early with your Guinean odds is the first way in, in order to help. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. So, so Dr. Andrew, so, so okay, so we, 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 we're speaking, we just spoke about the congenital um, aspect of, of cardiovascular disease and, mm-hmm. you know, what the mother can do. What about those acquired cardiovascular um, conditions? What, what are some of the risk factors associated with that? And, I mean, some people may, you know, just intuitively no <laughs> like you know there, there's always this talk about this is bad for your heart mm-hmm. you know don't do that that's bad for your heart um but on a broader scale we're speaking cardiovascular health the heart and the blood vessels right. uh, let us know what are some risk factors you know for acquired for those diseases that we 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 acquire that our lifestyle has impacted what are some risk risk factors for okay. those yes okay so there are many risk factors and there are many different ways that we can classify them or subclassify them. I think I'll just look at one of the classifications. Okay. The most <laughs> traditional of the classifications and we can all identify it. Mm-hmm. Which in which we divide it into the non modifiable risk and the modifiable risk. Okay. The non modifiable risk factors include advanced age. We really cannot change the fact that we are aging daily. All right, and with age, there is wear and tear on, a, on our entire system that we have no control over. Our gender, that we cannot change either. Well, okay, that's another thing. <laughs> <But laughs> yeah, that's debatable yes. now. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of being male and female, we find that males are at greater risk of, until the age of first 55 females then catch up after about 65, and um, that part we cannot change. There is a 10-year difference mm. um, between males and females in terms of their risk factors, all right? Um, so in that, that population, you would have seen more in the males rather than in the females until they catch up later on. Ah. Um, race is another factor that we cannot change or non-modifiable. Mm-hmm. Um, you will see across the board that cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death yes. worldwide. Yes. Worldwide. All right? But you find that um, the Southern Asian population has been identified as being slightly greater risk. Okay? Again, genetic factors. All right? And um, other genetic predispositions. Sometimes, Clients would say, I did everything right. I don't understand why I, why I got a heart attack, uh, all right? Because this was part of the factors that we could not have changed. Mm-hmm. That was in the blueprint, all right? And for some people, even what was in the blueprint, the modifiable factors, we were able to change it so that it would manifest. But for others, based on the severity of their predisposition, we were not able to prevent that happening. But it should not prevent us from doing the best that we can, even if there are some factors that right. we may not know about <laughs> that we cannot change yet. So basically right? not being complacent um, just because your race um, may not be. have um, high risks to cardiovascular disease as another. Right. So yes. you don't know mm-hmm. if, if you have that genetic predisposition, mm-hmm. so just, you know, be oblivious about it totally. Right. That, that would be incorrect. All right. But mm-hmm. these are the factors that we recognize are non-modifiable. Okay. Now, those that are modifiable, 
that includes um, weight, okay, obesity. Mm-hmm. All right, we can check the weight, um, do what is called your, your body mass index, and see what is the ideal weight for your height, okay? And uh, that helps us to decide what weight you should be at and how much you should lose, all right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, the, with every increase you have in weight, that increases your risk for high blood pressure, um, diabetes, and a host of other complications or chronic conditions. So obesity is associated with cardiovascular risk factors, okay? And that is one of the first ones we can work on changing. Diabetes is another. So um, going to your doctor, ensuring that your blood sugar is under control, because you will find that um, diabetics um, sometimes are diabetic for several years before they are diagnosed with diabetes. And by the time that they are diagnosed with diabetes, there is already manifestation of damage to end organs. All right? Now, if we were just doing our routine annual checkup, at least, we would have been able to capture it Mm -hmm. early, Mm -hmm. that treatment early, before it started to damage these blood vessels and these end organs. All right? So part of your screening is, you know, when you check with your doctor, a lot of people will say, if I didn't feel sick, there's no need for me to go mm-hmm. to the doctor, mm-hmm. all right? But these are the things that we are screening for. When you go to the doctor, you check the weight, the height, that you know how much you know you, you need to lose. Is the blood sugar okay? Is the blood pressure okay? The blood pressure is the next one, all right? And we can simple, a simple way of checking. A lot of people have blood pressure um, cuffs at their home, all right? We need to ensure that the blood pressure is under control. And we take it for granted a lot. The next island killer. We need the blood pressure to be less than 120 on 80. We don't want to get to 120 on 80. We want it to be less Below. than 120 on 80. But, Doc, I'm, right? I'm going to um, interject um, a little. Um, there are various um, studies that indicate, based on your age range, that that normal blood pressure range may vary. So, um, some of them say, well, I mean, the 120 over 80, you know, that's the most common and, and most normal range, at least um, until a certain age. But then what about um, senior citizens, you know, those um, 60 years, um, 70 years, does that 120 over 80 still um, con- is considered the normal range for that um, age group? Yeah, what you you have a good point, right? We get high. We have this tendency of having higher systolic pressures yes. in the elderly. Mm-hmm. A process um, which takes place based on rigidity of the vessels. blood vessels, right. which mm-hmm. take place with time. Part of the aging process, we can the blood vessels can become more rigid, and um, it's even worse if we have the high blood pressure or diabetes on board mm-hmm. because both of these as well as atherosclerosis which are now contributing to further hardening of the blood pressure of the blood vessels, blood vessels yes right so whereas although there is a tendency of having a greater systolic pressure at that time it doesn't mean that we cannot work towards getting it lower controlling the risk factors controlling the chronic conditions can help us get to target. 
So we, we, we shouldn't say, okay, well, because we expect it to be higher in that age, we just leave it like that. It being higher at that age the, is not without the increased risk. Okay, so you, you're saying that... Um, we, our target would still try to get it as low as, we as low as we can possibly okay. get it. If we cannot get it down there, we would, okay, at least we, we, we're getting close. We're in the 130s, we're close. We try to get it as tight and close as we can. Because it's always yes. up and down and we have to weigh lots of factors. Okay. But our target would not change. We can justify why they may be higher and why it would be more difficult maybe getting them into range. But our desired target would not change would not change just one other clarification doc if you don't mind um so you have the upper number and the lower number because many people no, um, right so many people um own their own blood pressure monitor at home so i just want you to break it down as to what the upper number means the lower number and um, there's also the pulse rate. I think most of them do also have the pulse rate. And so many people may say, okay, my, my pulse rate is 40. Is that okay? Is it um, 80? Is that okay? So just a breakdown, at least I, I always um, advocate for, for knowledge, for educating yourself. And the more you know, the better for you. So just it's, it's something simple, but just to educate our, our listeners so they know what they are looking at. So the upper number is the system systolic pressure, right. the lower number is the diastolic mm -hmm. pressure. Systolic here refers to a phase in the cycle of the heart. The heart squeezes and the heart relaxes every cycle. Mm -hmm. That is one heartbeat. One squeeze, one relaxation. That's one squeeze is systole. That relaxation is diastole. Right. The pressure that is generation, generated with that squeeze is the systolic pressure. And therefore, on relaxation, the diastolic pressure. Nice. Right? I, I yes, yes. Uh, in terms of the pulse, a normal pulse ranges between 60 and 100. Nice. All right? However, if we have you on medication, we may have you on medication to make your heart rate a little slower. Sometimes that is our desire to have it in the lower limit or below, a little below 60, all right? As long as you're feeling fine and tolerating that fine and it is regular, we checked it out, we're not alarmed by it, no problem, all right? So it's being below 60 without any symptoms or you are on medication, which is keeping it somewhere below 60, mm -hmm. then that is fine, all right? Sometimes we need to lower um, the, the heart rate because we want to decrease the work of the heart, okay? The heart is working 24-7, never gets a holiday, mm -hmm. all right? And um, some hearts, after having suffered insults or having to pump against high pressures for several years. Just imagine that heart. It has to provide the entire body every day, all the time. But it's pumping against very high pressures. It means it's under strain for mm -hmm. several years. That's right. And it, it goes through different processes of adaptation in order to continue working against that high pressure. But it can only do so for so long. 
So for right. several years, you find the heart is changing, it's adapting to that high level. You're feeling just fine until the day comes that you cannot do it anymore. And it says, well, last. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when we start getting the symptoms of insufficiency, okay? And then that's when we, maybe the individual with symptoms is now presenting so that we can try to fix the problem. That at that point, we might just be able to manage the problem because there are structural changes that we cannot reverse, maybe at that point, which mm-hmm. is why the prevention is, is, is so important, right. all right? Because if we can, can deal with the risk factors very early on, the changes that occur in the heart as a result, we can prevent. Statistically, 90% of the cardiovascular events can be prevented. Mm. And that's a large... That's a big percentage. That's a very big percentage, yes. So, so it means that you definitely can do something about it. Right. So, so Dr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so drawing off of that, you, you mentioned earlier, we were speaking about some of the modifiable risk factors um, for cardiac... we're still talking about it. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So, so I want you to continue with that. But I also wanted you to interject, um, you know, what exactly can, as you, as you just mentioned, that these conditions can be preventable. Um, you know, how do we go about modifying those modifiable risk factors you know for prevention purposes i just wanted that aspect as well as you as you continue okay all right so mm-hmm. we mentioned re- re-obesity mm-hmm. all of these factors or some of them you can work with your doctor um to to help reduce for obesity it's with um once you identify how much weight you need to to get to your ideal weight, the other thing in obesity that we also need to address is the um, abdominal girth, all right, your waistline. Some people might not be overall obese, but it's the belly area that is too big, all right. We should also measure that, all right, because there's also risk associated with just what we call truncal obesity, all right. Mm-hmm just in the waistline and you think everything else is, is okay but that area is too big it comes with the same risk as being overall obese all right so if you, you maybe if you're within the bmi for your height and weight but that area is also beyond what it should be that comes with additional risk so it means that we want to um, do diet exercise to decrease the weight or the ab- abdomen, work on the abdominals so that we can get within the ideal for our height as well as the acceptable abdominal growth. For the diabetes, we want to catch it early. All right? Early screening. If we're checking our blood mm-hmm. sugar on a regular basis with our doctor's visit, we'll be able to tell the moment it starts to get high and we need to intervene, we'll be there and ready to do so so that we wouldn't start to see the downstream effect of the lack of treatment. The blood pressure, same thing. We need to um, treat it very early and um, recognize that um, a lot of time we give a lot more time. Some people may not want to start medication. They figure that, oh, they're too young to be on medication. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the damage is continuing at the right. time. Okay. Once it's above 120 to 129, 
all right? We're talking about an elevated blood pressure, okay? And at that point, we will apply non-pharmacological treatment, meaning this is where the lifestyle modification right. comes into play to start on the diet, the exercise, and to get into the ideal weight and look at other risk factors that may be present that can be modified. And then visit the doctor again in the next three to six months. That is just if it is between 120 to 129 systolic. Now, if it is already at 14090, mm-hmm. that is type 2, already at class 2. It doesn't only require the lifestyle modifi- modification, it requires also drugs. Mm-hmm. So we have, you need to be on medication as well. And then there is an in-between group when you are type 1, so it means at 130 here to 139, above 80 to 89, uh, group 1 or type 1, these now we can do further assessment or screening to determine what is their level of risk. And there is a score that can be applied where we now determine their 10-year risk factor for developing a cardiovascular event. And if you find that it's greater than 10% chance that in the next 10 years that if they develop an event, then they should also be on pharmacological treatment, meaning we should give them drugs, okay? If you notice that they are less than 10% chance, then we can treat them like those who just had it elevated, in which case we can work on lifestyle modification and regular checkups to ensure that we are getting to targets. Okay, that would be the approach for the hypertensive. Then we have another modifiable risk factor, dyslipidemia or hyperlipidemia or high fat in the circulation. Mm -hmm. This high fat in the circulation is a major problem. And we must have a very low threshold to treating high fat because it is at the root of most of our problems. This fat develops over time, from the time we're born, throughout our life and is being deposited within our blood vessels. Mm-hmm. That is what we call the atherosclerosis, all right? And these deposits over time, just imagine a pipe system that is just being filled up with this um, substance. Over time, it's going to block the pipe, right? And that is what is happening with atherosclerosis. Over time, we are blocking this pipe system coming from the heart, and then it's going to do what? increase the blood pressure because now there's less uh, less room exactly the heart is Mm -hmm. now pumping again higher pressure it's obstructed all right so it increases the blood pressure and also it's damaging the blood vessels as well and when the blood vessels are damaged um it predisposes to more damage more inflammation within the system okay and um, if on top of that, we there is um, for control blood sugar, it further causes damage to the lining of the blood vessels, and it causes further deposition of this fat in the lining of the blood vessel. So all of them interplay to worsen the condition. The high cholesterol, the high diabetes, the high blood pressure. Okay. One predisposes to the other, and one aggravates the other, and one, they, they just worsen each other. All right, so we want to control all of them because the high lipids can also mean high blood pressure and it can also mean um, predisposing 
could also predispose to 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 um, type two diabetes. Um, the next one, so again, with your doctor, when you check your to your routine check, we'll be able to check what the cholesterol levels are and put you on medication for it. Because again, we follow a same pattern depending on the risk factors, how high we need to start in terms of the the lipid lowering medication. Doctor Andrew, one second before you continue, let me just um open up the lines a bit. Uh, I, I know maybe people have been wanting to interact and before we have to, to leave, we don't have much more time. Let me just open up the lines and remind our callers that they can interact with you. Dr. Andrew is who we have with us this morning. And the numbers are 449-3095, 449-3096, 449-3096, or 616-4257. If you're calling from overseas, the number is 305-432-9624. So I don't want to deprive the listeners of a chance to interact with you, Dr. Andrew. Um, I know our time is short, but yes. Yes, I'm also running out of time. Yes, I know. I am here and I'm really running out of time. And, and the really, it's a topic with a lot to discuss. I know. A lot of factors to take into consideration, a lot of misconceptions yes. that sometimes need to be clarified. But Maybe I can just run through the rest of the modifiable risk factors, so at least they are mentioned. Yes. And uh, before we, we shut down. Yes, yes. Smoking is another one. So if there is um, any smoker, whether we're talking about some people think that if it is marijuana, it is natural, it's the herb. Marijuana, tobacco, electronic cigarettes, they all have um, damaging substances that is going to destroy the lining of the blood vessel, predisposing to the same three things that we spoke about. All right? So we just need to quit smoking. Okay? And if you're having exposure to secondhand smoke, you're also being exposed to these um, um, harmful substances as well. Alcohol misuse is another, mm -hmm. all right? We shouldn't be drinking in excess. Alcohol becomes toxic to the, the walls of the heart when it is in excess. So we're talking about excess use of alcohol, all right? And I think those can be understood. The diet, we want a healthy diet. So the choices that we make cannot be sweets and um, high carbs. Um, fast foods, we want to have a lot of natural food, um, less preserves, um, um, the, the additional salt, because we tend to put a lot of salt and um, oil, lean meat, remove the skin from the, the, the chicken, don't fry it, it should be boiled, it should be uh, even stewed or baked, all right, that will reduce the content, all right, avoid the red meat. Okay, fish, chicken. Um, you don't need to really add um, more oil, but if you really need to select the oil, then um, olive oil or canola oil really have less overall saturated fat. Mm -hmm. Okay, and these would be the one recommended if you have to add something. Okay, I don't think you really need to. <laughs> Physical inactivity is a major factor. You need to be exercising at least three times a week, not three days in a row. Space it out mm -hmm. in between moderate intensity, um, at least 30 minutes or 40 minutes at a time yeah. um, on a regular basis, not just this month and then we quit. 
has to be continuous and we have to be continuously increasing intensity. So once you're accustomed to that level, it means we have to either increase the distance or increase the pace at which we do it. We have to be constantly increasing, all right? And that's how we can get the physical benefits of it. Um, Dr. Andrew, does, does a poor sleep schedule also um, contribute? Is there any association with sleep? Say that again? The, is there any association with lack of sleep or poor sleeping patterns oh, yes. um, with cardiovascular disease? Yes. Okay. Yes. That is another modifiable risk factor. Okay. All right. We need to have adequate sleep. You should be in bed between 10 to 11 at night and have at least seven hours um, of rest. Mm. 10 to 9, thereabouts. Okay, per night. You don't want to have too much or too little. Too much okay. or too little is associated with increased cardiovascular risk. Ah. So those of us who work night shift, of course, we are at increased cardiovascular risk because we are interfering with our normal physiology. You're supposed to rest at night and you're supposed it has a it has many benefits. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> It's restorative, all right, and mm -hmm. it helps to regulate the pressure, the pulse, and everything. So we're supposed to do it at a given time. And when we deprive ourselves of sleep, it means we are depriving ourselves of the benefits. Right. And that's pretty disorder as well, all right? The other one that we take for granted is the psychosocial factors of stressors, uh, all right? We think that stress is not a real thing. It is. Right? It's very we real. Very real. <laughs> but it is very much real, and it is very much related to our cardiovascular health. All right, and when we get stressed, there are a lot of stress hormones that are released into the circulation that um, we, means that we are always in that fight or flight response, which is not healthy. You cannot be always in a heightened mood all the time. I cannot be always, um, you know, that state of anxiousness or, or, or um, fight all the time. It has our system revved up when you're preoccupied or worried about something. And these stress hormones that are released in the circulation, it um, also um, increases our sh sh blood sugar in circulation, all right? And this extra sugar over time brings us back to some of what we were talking about, all right? Because it means that that too, this excess sugar in circulation also has to find a path that is for it to be released. Okay, mm -hmm. and it can contribute to the inflammation within the system, in the lining of the vessel, and so on. All right, so the managing the stresses cannot be um, stressed enough. Okay, and things that can decrease stress include exercise. All right, it gives us the opposite effect. Um, it elevates our mood. It it releases a lot of substances that are opposite to that the endorphins mm -hmm. that give us a feeling of well-being and all of these factors overall improve our cardiovascular health so right. these are something so it means that we have to get having a hobby and, and adhering to that hobby is important listening to music dancing exercise these are important factors we have to be balanced okay and it is as important as eating the right foods or mm -hmm. getting in shape right okay so these are some of the most common modifiable risk factors and um 
we can work with our doctor on for some of them in order that we can um, get to the target, the desired target, and reduce our cardiovascular health. Okay. Dr. Andrew... And we are almost at the end of our time, and I know you need to leave um, yes, as well. Leave. Yes, I just wanted the last last thing I want you to tell me is just what is available for patients as it relates to cardiovascular health. I know there's a clinic um, at the, at the hospital, or or you know, in terms of seeing you. Just just tell me what's available if somebody wants to to you know see up, yeah. yes see somebody specifically for for cardiovascular health reasons. You can start off by seeing your, your family doctor, your your general um, internal medicine um, physician, all of the basic screening that we talk about, it can be done with your general practitioner. They are very good at determining when you need to also see the cardiologist. Okay. Right? So start with screening with your baseline doctor and uh, these things that we need to particularly address, they will give you referral to see the cardiologist. There are two cardiologists on island, and uh, as long as they give you a referral to see us, then you can see us at the hospital. Okay. Okay, so that is definitely good information. I know some people maybe, you know, we're not even aware that we had a specialist here for that. I, I, I have heard this a lot. You know, Dominica doesn't have. Uh -huh. uh, yes, cardiologist. So so that's good information. Dr. Andrew, I know you really made the time to speak to us. It's a topic that we could have continued on for a long time. Yes. <laughs> and so we will... Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, so I'm just saying we will definitely have to bring it back up on another episode um, of Health Vibes because I know, you know, even the callers maybe wanted a chance to, to yes. interact. But we will bring it back up, um, you know, and see how we can continue this discussion. But Thank you I, so much. I was, I, we are very appreciative yes. for the time that you spent with us here on this program. Okay, you're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. And I recognize the, the importance of it because prevention is always the best route. Oh, yes. If we take the time out to prevent, we can um, prevent, of course, the, mm -hmm. the downstream effects that we then have to fight with. Okay? So it, it's just as important as treating the blood pressure, educating ourselves of how to prevent ourselves from getting that stage yes okay so definitely have to run right now. <laughs> thank you thank you thank so you much, so much. Take care. all right okay. yes thank you just bye-bye yes just in first so you know dr andrew shared quite a bit of us and and you know we could have continued mm -hmm. on for much longer um but we we will definitely look into bringing you know this topic back to the four getting getting Dr. Andrew or getting somebody else who can speak to heart disease, cardiovascular disease. Right. Um, because it, it's it's a very broad, broad area. Very much so. And and, and I mean I'm I'm very much impressed and I'm sure all the listeners, you know, will agree that she touched on so many areas mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know on cardiovascular health and must have answered um certain questions that callers may have had um, you know, listening um, to the show. Mm -hmm. But um, it would be very irresponsible on my part as a pharmacist um, if I left her today and not encourage um, our patients who are on medication, um, not just for a particular um, 
um, heart disease or condition, but for general health. So as Dr. Andrew indicated, cardiovascular health comprises of different areas. So controlling your blood pressure levels, your blood sugar levels, your cholesterol levels, um, everything goes hand in hand and works in sync so that our cardiovascular system works at its best. Now we've had some um, patients come in saying, okay, I don't want this medication. I don't want that medication. Um, let me just take this one. So they're picking and choosing. They're picking and choosing which one wow. they believe is of m most importance. Mm. Um, and when you, you um, ask them as to why they choose, it's not really based on price. It's just they feel they're on too many me medications ah. and they prefer to take um, the ones that they feel is important to them. Mm -hmm. But um, again, that's where um, medication education comes in. And um, if we take the time as medical professionals and doctors, you know, like Dr. Andrew or any other um, family um, doctor, takes the time to indicate, okay, I have to put you on more than one type of blood pressure medication because your blood pressure um, levels are way too high. And this can increase your risk um, for um, heart attacks, for stroke, and so many other complications. And same thing for blood sugar and blood pressure, the aspirin as well. And it's, it's, it's saddening, you know, when you see someone with a long list of medications and you wonder oh, how our kidneys are doing, how our liver is doing, because all of those, you know, take part in the breakdown um, and the filtering of, of those medications. But they all play a role, you know, in maintaining optimal health and uh, compliance is key. If mm -hmm. you have any questions, it's always the best thing to speak with your pharmacist or your doctor before making the decision to stop taking your medication. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because while, yes, you may save cost, while you are taking less medications in, you are still jeopardizing a certain aspect of your cardiovascular and general health. Right. Okay, so that's one thing I really wanted to mention before we go off air and end mm -hmm. our um, show on cardiovascular health. And I think compliance is, you know, that's, a, that's yes. another topic that we can deal with, um, you know, as a full episode, because I know too, as we as we were speaking about cardiovascular health, about hypertension, I know compliance to those hypertension medications mm -hmm. is one of the biggest issues, yes. especially for men. There's a oh, lot of talk yes. about, yes. you know, the impact of the of side effects, the of, certain side effects types, yes. of, of certain types of, of medication. Um, you know, men in particular think about their 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 potence or, or or lack thereof mm -hmm. so and how it affects their sexual yes, life, yes how it affects their sexual life and and so may may kind of pick and choose or decide to not take certain hypertensive yes. um drugs so we know then we that's how, how it comes in in communicating with your your physician and so they can alter what type of drugs and educate you you know yes. there are other um supplements Options. that can be used you know just to counteract that side effect side effect so just yes this is a communication. Yes, <laughs> and compliance is key. Yes. I I have heard several times, oh, I'm not taking that medication because, you know, and just not taking anything else. Or as Dr. Andrew indicated at the start when she spoke, you know, maybe go into some form of 
alternative medicine, but you're not sure, you know, the impact of that That's it. Uh, and on your overall issue. So, you know, we have several things that we could we could speak about coming out of this episode. It was, um, you know, there was a lot and we will broaden the discussion in, in, in the future. But it is already 11.32, so we are out of time. And, you know, that is it for us this morning on health vibes i do hope that you can tune in again next wednesday we'll be back god willing at the same time at the same place uh, with another episode of health vibes talking about health and wellness and um make sure to to join us i do wish all our listeners a very good week i hope that you could take some of the the key Info, the key information, yes. some items of the, the information that Dr. Andrew shared about, you know, maintaining your cardiovascular health, mm-hmm. your heart and blood vessel health, that alcohol, <laughs> that inactivity, reducing on weight if it's necessary, you know, let's Cessation move. of smoking. The smoking, <laughs> right. So let's move forward in a positive way. The festive season is coming up. DJ Slim <laughs> is in the studio. I know we're gearing up for festival, but let's yeah. take care. Let's take care of our health whilst, whilst we see yes. we're in, <laughs> in the near future. I know a lot of us have plans. So that's it. Just in for Yes, so certainly um, it was a pleasure, a very um, informative show, as always. Mm -hmm. Um, As we always say, your health comes first. If we don't have good health, we won't be able to see as we want. (laughs) So (laughs) make sure we we take that um, into consideration. But as always, have a wonderful day and a wonderful week as well. Yes, goodbye. (laughs) Yes.